Welcome back, everybody, to Brubble, a podcast exploring young voices and perspectives from in and around the Brussels bubble. And you're watching us on or listening to us on a virtual medium in somewhat of a virtual world, some might say, and which is part of the larger metaverse. And for somebody like me who does not know much about these terms, I ask, what does this all mean? As you might, the listener, also be asking. Uh, so this week, we saw the European Commission publish their strategy on virtual worlds and Web 4.0. And so what does this mean? The question rings again. And so I'm joined here today by three of the prominent young voices in Metaverse from around the Brussels bubble to discuss a bit what the Metaverse is, what the virtual world really does, and why the Web 4.0 might actually matter. So getting into this, let us introduce ourselves quickly and dive right in. How are we all feeling today? Very good. Great. Very good. Looking forward for the conversation, eh? Yeah. Should we introduce the, before we even introduce ourselves, I think we have to touch on the elephant in the room, which you might call the white elephant in the room. The fact that we all, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> wore a white t-shirt <laughs> or dress shirt. The green trousers, by the way, just not yeah, showing you up. Cannot see them. You cannot see them. I, think I, I promise we're, we're wearing orange pants here, yellow here, yes. green. <laughs> but also, Alexandra has a little bit of a gold touch, which uh, makes her yeah. different. I tried I to differentiate myself from you guys. Yes. Well... Speaking about names, Alexander, do you want to introduce yourself to the world? Tell them what you do in life and why the metaverse is what you do. Um, well, my name is Alexandra Shoiket. I work at um, FTI Consulting as a director where I lead the metaverse work that we do. Um, I also am one of the co-coordinators of what we call our future of tech clusters. So really everything around emerging technologies, the metaverse, Web4 or Web3, um, depending on your definitions, um, is really my bread and butter. Um, I'm also a certified metaverse expert by the Blockchain Council. So looking forward to getting to share some of that with you guys today. I did not know you get certified as a metaverse expert. It's like getting certified as a swimming instructor, right? Exactly. Yeah, except, you know, <laughs> a little bit less underwater. <laughs> Fair enough. You help people not drown. Yeah. Fair enough. Who wants to go next? Patrick, you seem to be pretty keen, and I don't <laughs> think you've drowned yet in your life, so please tell us, oh, what I, do you do in life? I don't want to follow that. Um, <laughs> no, so I, I lead the, the tech practice at Foretold here in Brussels, and I suppose I got into the metaverse really because my background's in content moderation and increasingly emerging tech and AI, so it's just kind of the logical next step when you think about you know, what are going to be the platforms and products of the future. Yes, and you are also somewhat of an editor or you know, content moderator of an interesting initiative called Metaverse.eu, where yes. you can subscribe to for all the latest Metaverse and virtual world So we're actually going to start with a shameless plug. That's amazing. Normally <laughs> that, <laughs> that comes right at the end. And uh, yes. subscribe to the podcast as well. But. I, I'd encourage everybody to, to read Metaverse.eu. It's, it's a, becoming a policy hub really now. Um, we track and analyze what's going on here in the bubble and also the wider ecosystem in the EU. Fair enough. And to the far end of the table, Gianluigi, tell us, who are you? Why are you at this table? Okay, so, I mean, it's super nice being at uh, this table with, uh, with my friends. I'm Gianluigi Vona. Uh, people call me Gigi, and uh, I like it as a, as a branded name. <laughs> I work at a pol as a policy and communication advisor at uh, Acumen Public Affairs, where I focus specifically on Web3 and Metaverse. Indeed, uh, due to recent developments in the EU, uh, Bubble, I already notified my typography to change the business cards to Web4 <laughs> Advisor because uh, unfortunately that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what it is. But I think we'll dive a little bit more into definitions and why I think the switch to Web4 is not as great as uh, some people think it is. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the first things we'll be diving into. What is the metaverse versus what is the virtual world versus what is Web 4.0 and any other acronyms that might be floating around there. But before we do, I want to take a temperature of the room because I'm surrounded with a lot of people who have metaverse or Web 4.0 in their official <laughs> titles. I do not. Uh, to introduce myself quickly, I'm Simon. I work for Microsoft's European Government Affairs, where I do not work on metaverse. I work in strategy and, uh, uh, and stakeholder management in a sense. So, being somewhat unfamiliar to this area, I'm quite skeptical about what the metaverse really is. So, going around the table, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, you know, influential, how big of a deal do you think the metaverse really is? Patrick, you were laughing the most. Give us, give us <laughs> I was laughing the most because of how hard a question it was. I was just, exactly. You know, I was thinking, please don't ask me. Um, no, how important is it? as a concept I think at the moment it's not really you know you have many listeners that are wondering about this and it's not really affecting people's lives you know dramatically everywhere and they'll be surprised even to hear that there's an initiative going on in the EU um, that said I think we can see the trends of where technology will go and if, if not relevant now particularly um, mainstream I think in the future it will have a big impact on people's lives and businesses and so maybe we can talk about some of the case studies but um, on a scale of 1 to 10 um <laughs> One to ten now, yeah. or one to ten yeah, right now. ever. We'll, we'll check again at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think <laughs> I, I think we have to go above median here because we are seeing use cases emerge. So I'm going to sit on a safe six. Oh, that's really low. Really, really, from you, coming Gigi. from you. <laughs> give us, give, give <laughs> us a editor and a co-founder of, uh, and founder actually, founding partner of Metaverse EU. I was expecting Hi. a bit more from you. Uh, it's prudent, I'm English. On the safe side, <laughs> on the safe side. A, bit, a little bit higher, I'd say, because I think, and uh, this is the first time I think we're going to make a lot of parallels uh, with the AI technology today, because there's a lot of things in common when it comes to the evolution mm -hmm. and to how it, like, it can reach mass adoption. Totally agree with Patrick here. It's not impacting our lives, our day-to-day -day life yet. Yes, there are many good use cases when it comes to retails, a lot of uh, good enterprise and industrial use cases already, so that does, they don't impact us directly, but that's already like something that's really, really impactful when it comes to a business point of view. But at the same time, I think going forward, I think it is an eight now, it's gonna be a 10, five to 10 years from now. Of course, we need to get there. We need. How do we get there with a mix of policy and funding and a, a little bit of incentives here and there? But I think uh, I'm pretty confident that we will uh, we will get there. Maybe not now. So it's a bit like I don't know if you've seen the sketch of David Letterman and uh, was it Bill Gates when they talk about the internet. So what does the internet do? Why does yeah. it matter? And everyone was laughing because they said, okay, but this we have the radio. This we have something something else. So why does it matter? And everyone was laughing and who's laughing now? So I think it's going to be a similar moment. I, I see that the far end of the table has a you know the typical uh, Southern European optimism. Yes, so, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Should we go yeah. towards pessimism here? Are you also as optimistic, I'm, Alexander? I'm, I'm a Canadian. You know, we're optimistic by nature. But uh, uh, no, I, I I will I'll 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 take the uh, the ploy and I'll go to the other end of the spectrum. But mostly just because um, I also see a difference between. Um, you know, where we are now, where we could potentially get, but also where we are now for consumers versus for in 
industry. So I'll, if I can take that sort of extra delineation here, I'll say that you know maybe the importance of the metaverse for consumers right now is probably quite low. I'd say we're probably at around you know maybe a three or a four. Um, for industry, I'd say it's higher. I'd, I'd go towards Patrick, closer towards a six. Um, but where we could get to in the future, that's where I'd say I agree with Gigi. I think that's where we could really see the metaverse having a substantial impact um, across all you know swaths of society, um, and where we could probably see it yeah moving up into that sort of eight nine range. But it really depends on exactly how it develops and how how ultimately the technologies mature and really how willing um, um, both uh, consumers and industry is to sort of take up the mantle and and um, use it to its full potential. That yeah. was a much better answer. <laughs> Can I do mine again? <laughs> it also wasn't a single answer, I will say. So <laughs> I was the girl in my high school yearbook who said, um, you know, I have two questions. That was my yearbook quote, because I always would have, you know, I put my hand up a couple times in the single class. So. In all seriousness, it's a valid distinction to make between industry and consumers. Um, I think industry are already using much of these technologies that we're talking about, but obviously we're not really seeing mass market for consumers just yet. But. Yeah, and... On what you were saying about you having two questions, I have three questions. Oh, what is the metaverse? What is a virtual world? And what is Web 4.0? And how do these definitions, you know, collide into each other? What's the difference? What's the similarity? Are you yeah. asking us or are you asking what the EU thinks? <laughs> I think whatever is the best definition. If somebody asks you what the metaverse is, as somebody who's metaverse in your title, what do you say? Oh, now we're just asking me. Okay, yeah. I'm going to start with the first question because it's easier to answer. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of what, what's the distinction between those three terms as far as what mm -hmm. the EU is thinking because they're the ones who basically introduced this whole new idea of Web 4.0. Yeah. And I think that the way that the, um, the commission at least is conceptualizing this whole space is that you essentially have virtual worlds, which are these um, virtual communities in which people can live and work and socialize and um, entertain themselves and where we can also have these you know, great industrial developments. Um, and then the collection of virtual worlds, whether they will be interoperable or not, is what the commission is referring to as the metaverse. And then my understanding is that what they're referring to as Web 4.0 is essentially then that sort of umbrella that will be on top of multiple metaverses. So mm -hmm. you would have multiple networks of interoperable virtual worlds, which we will call the metaverse, and multiple metaverses, which will basically comprise Web 4.0. This is different to the way that industry has referred to the metaverse in the past. Um, that's also because there hasn't been agreement on what the metaverse actually is from industry. Some people will refer to the metaverse as the um, you know, metaverse enabling technologies that we have today, and they'll call those the metaverse. Um, some people will refer to the metaverse as, you know, a single virtual world or a collection of virtual worlds. And some people will refer to the capital M metaverse, which I think is similar to the, you know, Web 4.0 vision. The same way we have the capital I internet, which mm -hmm. is essentially this whole collection of, of um, virtual experiences. But I'd be curious to hear what uh, Patrick and Gigi uh, yeah, have to I'm say. Yeah, I'm just going to really jump in because yeah, there's a couple of things we could pick up on that. When you said virtual worlds, I mean, for listeners, we're, we're talking, you know, you might imagine something like Sims or something, like a gaming world. That, that most of the virtual worlds we, we can imagine now are actually just gaming worlds. But the important difference is, and the relevance for the metaverse, is that we're talking about worlds that are always existing, you know, they're persistent. So you can, you can leave, you can come back, you're... Your avatar, you experience them subjectively rather than just having characters like like Sims, for example. So, the examples here would be something like Second Life or um, even something like World of Warcraft. And then then the question is, well, what's really unique about this? And that comes on to what Alexandra was saying with you know they're all interconnected. 
and it's about this level of immersion too. But the, the, the issue I take with these definitions, these kind of definitions that focus on virtual worlds, is they didn't really predict or acknowledge augmented reality mm. and the way that all of the that digital, we now have digital products that are sort of spilling into the physical world. And when we ask ourselves what is the metaverse, we also have to ask like what is actually the value of it. And for me, this is it, this is the the value where it comes from the the joining of the physical and the digital worlds. So you know, if you're going to go shopping, you can try on clothes virtually rather than go to the store the, yourself. Um, or you know, you have augmented reality uh, sat navs or something like this. And this is if you you can see the value being created between digital and virtual. That's I look at that and I go, that's actually emerging metaverse. No, mm. oh, and uh, it's super interesting, and I think I'll uh, chip in because I have uh, like a similar uh, point that I want to make on augmented. Usually, I mean, uh, uh, we are a metaverse people, as you said. So we, I think we go through this question quite a lot, both in like more formal uh, settings, but also at family dinners, for example. So I have like one definition that I really, really like. I, I really like to use it at, uh, you know, Christmas dinners or whenever there is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the uncle asking, so what are you doing? Like, what is the metaverse? Why should yeah. I care? So I like to I like to use a definition from a philosopher from the from this world, which is called the six five two nine. I don't know if uh, any one of you uh, know him, but he's uh, really really good. Uh, recommend uh, reading some of his pieces. He says the easier way to define metaverse saying the metaverse is the internet with some differences. Like one big difference is the layer layer of visualiz- uh, visualizations. So the metaverse is inter is internet with a way better layer of visualization, meaning that you know. The internet, as we know, what is what is this layer of visualization? It's screens, like it's uh, pixelated screens, like an iPhone, like a, like a monitor, like a bigger screen. But still, it's screens. It's two-dimensional screens. Whether the layer in the meta in the metaverse will be like blended augmentation of the physical and digital world. So it's like a hybrid physical digital world where we that is going to basically replace a little bit our screen time. So now we, I don't see the metaverse as replacing our social life, our you know everyday life in mm-hmm. like such an impactful way from the beginning, but it's going to slowly replace our screen time, our, our smartphone time, our monitor time. So that's a, that's a way that I think uh, it is effective rather than, because now most of the people, they imagine metaverse as a sort of a goofy, you know, virtual reality, like yeah. second life where every one <laughs> of us walk with VR uh, and uh, don't hang out with each other, don't talk with each other. So I think a better way to phrase it, especially for now, could be could be that. But that's my personal point of view. So I'm happy to, to hear what you think. So somebody who's just a layperson here, to some, I mean, I know I work in tech policy, but not in metaverse policy in that sense. It just seems to me that metaverse is just an evolution of the internet, mm. where exactly. it becomes, I guess, more personal almost. Someone also described it, speaking of like uh, definitions for your grandma, of, of the, the unflattening of the internet. Mm. It's the internet as we have now, but it's just more interactive than previous iteration. Well, the, the key word is immersive, right? That's the that's the word that keeps coming up again and again and again. And I think one of the central questions is whether or not, as we're sort of discussing here, whether or not you need to actually have a virtual reality in order to achieve a level of immersivity, or if you just need to have um, three-dimensional um, objects, or um, you know, if you need to actually have sensations, because there's this whole conversation around sort of the development of haptic um, technologies as well, which, you know, touch technologies that would allow you to actually, f- you know, not just see things in a new way, but actually to have a physical experience of them in a new way in a virtual environment. And so I think that's really the key sort of um, um, point to explore is, you know, what does it actually mean to achieve that sort of immersive 
Um, I think immersive and intuitive are the two words that came out quite a lot in the commission's, um, uh, at least the staff working document around the communication. This reminds me a lot of uh, back in the early 2000s when they had the 4D movies, where mm. they had the scent as well, yeah. which I never... splashing water like when they were going <laughs> Okay, look, I gotta say, I did one of those 4D movie experiences that was like a Minions one, and uh, you were kind of jumping through the Minions sort of layer, um, and I gotta say, it was really fun. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Futuristic. Yeah. But then talking about what the metaverse is, what are the opportunities then that are, that are coming from it? Because we've seen one big tech company who used to go by Facebook change its whole branding to be around the metaverse. And they obviously saw a big gap there, a big opportunity for them to grab some market share. So why are companies, and not even just the big tech companies, but also businesses, why should they be concerned about the metaverse moving forward? Why, should it, why will it rise to a 10? Why is it already a 6 or so in their importance? I think w one point I would uh, like to quickly do before actually going into yeah. the opportunity, since you mentioned uh, the company previously known as Facebook and now rebranded as Meta, mm -hmm. I think that's also uh, part of the reason why, for example, in official uh, communication and an official initiative by, by the European Commission, like now there is a switch towards talking about virtual worlds and not metaverse, because they want to, let's say, to not associate the, uh, themselves specifically to a company and also that ties up also with uh, with the why web 4 and not web 3 i read a lot of uh, interesting pieces on why the eu decided to go to the web 4 definition which is something that we it wasn't as prominent uh, before the commission right uh, before before the commission initiative it didn't I exist yes <laughs> we, we could we could say that some might disagree but we could say that so why they are going that direction as well is th because they think that also now web3 so the whole web3 which starts as a decentralized internet so something that's really not tied to specific companies and corporates now they they think that it's also being associated with specific companies, especially mm -hmm. some of the big techs. So that's, uh, that's also part of the reason. And they want to stamp their uh, mark uh, like with big word and to make sure that we are not, let's say, that EU is not associated with specific American companies. So yep. that's, uh, that's a point I wanted to make. I don't know what you think, because the web, I think we're going to discuss more in deep also about the terminology, yeah. but... I just want to add something to that, because, yeah, I, can, I, I think that is one, you know, reading on why they, they changed the terminology. But just, just to go back, we haven't actually talked about what Web4 might mean. And what was, kind of, what was kind of interesting when reading the initiative is if you just took out the words Web4 and put Metaverse in, I think a lot of people in the Metaverse field would actually agree that's what it is. So um, what, what was interesting, you know, later the day after the, the, um, the publication of this communication that came out this week was we saw Terry Breton, who is responsible for the initiative, uh, actually tweets, uh, you know, really great to have this Web4, a.k.a. the Metaverse initiative. <laughs> after all of this time, it's, the, the word does not appear in the document, uh, in the main text, and then we have the, this confirmation that it is the Metaverse after all. So... Uh, needless confusion, I think, but I think some of the reasons Gigi mentioned might be behind that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I actually, since I already sort of talked a little bit about the terminology, I'd ref prefer to go back to the original question, which was, you know, say, ultimately, yeah. what, why should businesses care about this? And I think that there are really, you know, a number of reasons why business... I should probably preface this by saying that right now I'm speaking in my own sort of personal capacity. I'm not speaking on behalf of any specific client of, of FTI. Um, but um, I do think that there are a number of reasons why businesses should care. Um, first of all, because they're, they, the market is growing, um, despite the fact that there have been, you know, 
um, layoffs around some metaverse initiatives and, you know, all of this sort of rhetoric on like the metaverse is dead. And, you know, certainly in the hype cycle, you know, ChatGPT definitely took over from a lot of the kind of focus on the metaverse. Um, the investments are still happening. There's incredible, a huge amount of VC funding that's still going into metaverse projects. And the technology is going to continue to develop, which means we're going to keep having um, more and more useful experiences. And I think probably you'll see that in industry first before it actually really has an impact on consumers. And that's really why businesses should start paying attention. We'll start to see more kind of, um, you know, professional metaverse experiences, these kinds of more um, interactive and immersive um, conferencing sort of options. You'll also see more um, practical training and, um, you know, teaching experiences. There's already, um, you know, a, quite a lot of work um, going on with um, augmented reality um, uh, training in various different companies, you know, on manufacturing floors, but also training for, you know, sensitivity training or uh, training around, you know, how to deal with um, in-store shootings, that kind of thing, um, and doing all of those kinds of trainings. And that's going to become, I think, um, even more sophisticated um, in the future. Um, and then you also have, you know, huge potentials for digital twinning and, you know, how that can make ultimately, again, sort of especially manufacturing plants more um, more efficient, more efficient, more sustainable, um, and ultimately more productive. So um, I think that as the technologies become, you know, uh, as they mature, as they become, and the applications become a little bit more sophisticated and wide-ranging, there will be a lot of advantages for for companies to be sort of the f first movers in the space, and a big risk of being left behind if they aren't properly investing in those technologies um, and integrating them into their current work and working environments. Do we think it's as do we think it's the leading digital technology that companies need to be investing in, or is this more of a nice to have or one that will develop over the next five years, as you were hinting to? Yeah, I think um, you know if you look at the digital landscape um, on the horizon for the future, you know what else? What else are we really looking at here? Um, we, we just have this massive package of digital regulations that, that cover you know so many different sectors mm -hmm. that I think this this will spill over into the next mandate. And you know what we saw with the AI Act is this is just a communication, but it kind of with AI it, we had like three or three communications in two years. Two years later, this white paper with the proposal, and then two years later, an AI Act. So we might see a similar path for metaverse policy. So back to the question of why should companies care? Um, it's because this we, we may see emergent policy here, and um, there's obviously going to be business risks that, that could merge with that too. Um, I think in the next mandate, yeah, we might see a few, a few more initiatives, and um, I don't think we're going to expect like a metaverse act or anything like this. But we might see some sector-specific <laughs> sector um, initiatives that would be worth keeping track of for many different businesses. Maybe a white paper, like a virtual world's uh, white paper, could uh, could be something that could be yeah. on the table sooner rather than later. I think, but. Uh, Responding to the question as well, I think it's not a nice to have. Uh, I mean, there are huge business opportunities, hence why, as you said, like some companies rebranded themselves to reflect the company, uh, to reflect the concept. Some others are investing millions and millions and millions into into these technologies. The the market is expected to grow to a staggering, I think, eight hundred billion is the yeah. is the number mentioned in the communication. But of course, like it, it is number, it's predictions and forecast. But uh, but no, it's 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 one of the big things. Of course, now probably like headlines and media attention has switched. As also Alexandro was saying, like uh, to, towards AI, and that's also a little bit in the financial and VC world. But at the same time, in parallel, like there is a lot going on behind the scenes on metaverse and Web three, Web four, as we want to call it, <laughs> technologies. It's just I think 
it's a little bit like uh, like it was for AI like four or five years ago. There was not yes. this media frenzy about it because most of the applications and the use cases were also industrial, healthcare, so not really consumer-faced. When we're going to have the big one big use case for consumers, that's that's what's going to make it like boom and what's going to make it reach like a sort of a mass adoption. Are we there? Not. Uh, are we going to be there in two years? Probably not. But, you know, within the five to ten years, I, I expect one big, big use case that's going to that's gonna make the market boom. And then everyone is going to say, ah, fuck, but so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but, uh, so, the metaverse actually is important. It's not. No, but it's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned it that way in comparing <laughs> to AI five years ago because what we're seeing nowadays too is that different companies have different strategies for how vis visible they make AI in their processes because a lot of companies perhaps like Apple they have a lot of AI work going on they just don't call it AI work and is this something similar we'll see with Metaverse for instance where we'll see companies necessarily move into Metaverse to make you know their services more efficient you know be faster but they just won't call it Metaverse yeah I, I think Roblox recently moved away from <laughs> calling it I think one of the spokespeople said specifically yeah this is not a Metaverse strategy uh, talking about one of their announcements mm -hmm. uh, and then this week they announced that you know the Roblox is going to be compatible with Quest Pro which I think for most people in the in the in the industry would say well that's, that's, that's the most metaverse product we can imagine right now so <laughs> Uh, I think just as just as the P people were jumping on the PR in the good days, I think you'll see I think you'll see them uh, moving away from it if they, if they think it's a smart move business-wise. Yeah. You mentioned Apple. I mean, it's what yeah. Apple has done. Like they are not calling it uh, virtual world, they're not calling it metaverse. They're calling it spatial computing, Ooh. which is also another term adds uh, to the media confusion. But at the same <laughs> time, finally, it's still. Uh, it's still building on this augmentation of our reality into. But, but to be clear, I mean, Apple didn't even don't even call the phone a smartphone, so that's kind of that's just their brand, I think. I mean, but if also we're throwing in other terms, we haven't even talked about extended reality, right? Like, it's not just that it's AR and, and VR and MR, but like we have the whole umbrella term of extended reality or XR, and that's also sort of interchangeable with concepts around the metaverse to a, lot, a large extent. And I think that's also where you see a lot of investments. Again, when people talk about what the metaverse market might be valued, what they're actually talking about is what the XR market will be valued at mm -hmm. in 2030 because the metaverse market, you know, depending on what kind of like, again, capital M metaverse or web point, web 4.0 metaverse, um, depending on what you're actually imagining, that's not going to be here in by 2030. And the reality is that this, um, you Can know, quickly just go over what XR is just in case people don't know. Sure, go ahead. No, I was, I was offering you. <laughs> <laughs> now you go. Now you go. Well, no, please. Okay. Uh, extended reality, known as XR, is basically the umbrella term for virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Now, the difference, hopefully the audience know what virtual reality is. Augmented yeah. reality is where you, you project a digital layer on the physical world. Mixed reality is things, there's actually disagreements about what this means. Some people think it's like you have um, a bit like spatial computing, really. You can put like an object in the middle of the room and be able to walk around it in a way that you can't do with AR. Some people say it's just the same. Some people, so other people say, look, why don't we just call everything extended reality? Because now we have headsets where the, the standard is everything has extended, extended reality as well as virtual reality. So maybe just get rid of all of the terms under the umbrella. Everything's XR from hereafter. 
Um, but anyway. Well, and you'll notice that, again, the terms are sometimes used a little bit interchangeably, especially in the staff working document, you know? So <laughs> I think that that's, um, um, you know, another source of confusion. But um, the, the point that I wanted to make was that this, you know, this strategy that the, that the commission has come up with is essentially geared towards, you know, structured around the principles of the digital decade, which expires in, in 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I personally, at least, don't believe that we will get to this Web 4.0 by 2030. Maybe we'll get to Web 3 by then. You know, maybe we'll actualize more elements of Web 3 because it's still, in many respects, unrealized. Um, But I don't see how we would really sort of take that extra step towards Web 4. Um, And so I do think that what we are going to see, and maybe this again is one of the reasons why companies should be paying attention, is that, you know, moving forward, I think the next commission, whose term will be expiring just before the end of the digital decade, are going to have to rethink some of those goals and ambitions and principles and are going to have to come up with at least new strategies or roadmaps or initiatives that'll help sort of, you know, guide the the market towards the potential of realizing, you know, this hypothetical within the next digital decade, so to speak. Um, and I think that that will be something that will be really interesting to keep an eye on moving forward. I hope they will be even more ambitious than they were like with this communication, because now I don't know if we are going to talk like in detail about the communication, but it was... Next on the agenda. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be super brief, but uh, you'll get my reaction on that later. But I think that overall it's very good. Very good that they acknowledge the importance and the social economical benefits, but at the same time, I will uh, I will dive more deep into why I think they should have been more concrete and more ambitious in some of the aspects, especially because of what Alexander is saying. Because we need to get there. To, in order to get there, we need like proper funding and a little bit of more clarity on certain regulatory aspects, which are not uh, there yet. I don't yeah. want this to be my job just to keep doing this, but I, I'm just cautious that your audience might not know all these terminologies we're throwing around. So also the digital decade, do people know what that is? It's pretty self-explanatory, no? Okay, well, maybe I need to treat your audience better. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is about a, the brubble, you know? Sometimes you don't realize when you're in these, uh, in these policy sure. areas, you step out and everyone's like, well, what is that again? No, but you can be giving <laughs> definitions, Patrick. So no, at the very least, yeah. I can make a little like TikTok clips channel if you're just defining everything. Okay. But go ahead, digital decade. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going on TikTok, my God. Um, <laughs> it, it's not, but... In, in short, it's a, a set of, I forget how many, I think like 10 targets that they wanted, mm-hmm. that the commission aimed for member states to, to achieve by 2030. It's kind of confusing they call it digital decade because they, they, they say like the next 10 years, but we're now in 2023. Um, anyway, so like this is, for example, things like, like gigabyte internet of everybody is, is, the, is the main one. And that's super relevant for the metaverse. I think we, we obviously want to see them be a bit more specific in terms of latency and bandwidth because... Um, just having coverage doesn't necessarily mean people are using it. Um, but, yeah, so that's what they are. Yeah. Should we move, while we're on the topic of the commission, and how well we've alluded, I think, every few minutes towards this strategy that was recently published, should we go over a bit of, about what the European Commission did a few days ago when they published their strategy on the virtual worlds slash bracket Sorry. line <laughs> web 4.0? They had both of them in the title, which was confusing. But do we want to give a quick explanation of what this strategy is, what it said, and what it means? Yes, I think Alexandra has made a fantastic LinkedIn post. By the way, you should check that out. <laughs> Thank you, Gigi. So I think you should go for uh, you should you should start, and then we chip in. 
Oh, sure. Well, I thought you were actually volunteering to go first, but I love <laughs> that I've been voluntold to uh, to lead the discussion there. Happy to do so. Such a Canadian joke. Um, <laughs> uh, so th- what the commission is ultimately trying to do with this strategy is, uh, so first of all, maybe worth saying that a communication, in the interest of defining the terms, a communication is a, uh, <laughs> a non-legislative um, uh, document. So it doesn't have any um, sort of formal legal implications. Um, essentially, what it is is a, a roadmap or a, um, a set of commitments that the um, European Commission has proposed that are essentially aimed to guide um, its uh, work around Web 4.0 and virtual worlds. And there are, I think, 10 actions in the communication um, that are all, um, you know, set to be um, uh, achieved between sort of now and I think Q2 of next year. So just in time for the elections and just in time for the next legislature to create a new strategy or an updated strategy. Um, and these actions are around essentially these sort of three pillars. There's um, a lot of actions around um, digital skills. So the idea of increasing the uptake of um, digital skills technology and um increasing the number of ICT specialists in the EU and, you know, crossing the digital divide and ensuring equal access for, um, you know, empowering um, consumers and protecting um, children and all of that. There's also a piece around businesses. So this is about giving businesses the resources that they need um, in order to be able to develop in virtual spaces and, um, you know, sort of working with industry um, on the development of, um, you know, to, to understand what they actually need from government in this in this area in order to be successful, especially SMEs and startups. And the third piece is around governance. And that's really where they talk about, you know, cr- working with sort of international um, international bodies and also national bodies, coordinating better with member states and working to, um, you know, sort of better monitor the monitor the development of virtual worlds, um, and also try seek to, you know, maybe develop new standards and um, um, uh, that will help to, you know, ensure that as they develop, they are developed according to European values and, and principles. How was that? Was that a pretty good summary? Fantastic. Anything else you guys want to add? Don't forget <laughs> something. <laughs> Do you want to maybe add Patrick and, and Gigi as well? Because you guys have been a bit more very hyping it up, this, this communication coming out. Mm. Did it meet your expectations? Was this what you expected the commission to publish? Expected, yes. Hoped for. <laughs> maybe I was hoping for a little bit more. Like It's an excellent uh, starting point. I think mm-hmm. it's a building block. It's set the scene. It, uh, meets, it reflects on uh, not only the ambitious, uh, not only the acknowledgement of uh, metaverse from the from the EU but also the ambition to lead to become a global leader on that so that's fantastic and that's uh, something that probably if they told me like one year ago in one year you know the EU is going to is going to want to become a pioneer on metaverse I would say ah really so that's something that's really really uh, that's really good but at the same time some of the aspects are not reflecting enough this type of ambitious because you want to be a global leader but you you cannot just be a global leader by saying so you need to actually mm-hmm. act and to you need to to have a certain type of actions and certain type of framework to become a global leader and i think on that point it's slightly like a little bit more clarity especially on okay where do we stand now what do, what do we need like for example like on policy framework like the eu we all know 
you do we do we need to define the EU, Patrick? Or uh, <laughs> okay, it's called the Grabble, I think. Uh, no, because I saw you thinking. I, yeah. I saw you thinking. Okay, so the the EU has a very well developed uh, legislative flame framework when it comes mm -hmm. to digital and to platforms and to mm -hmm. rules. So mm -hmm. we have a very solid base, but at the same time, there are certain aspects which cannot be included already in that framework because immersive settings are not the same as text-based settings, as the current internet and content type of uh, actions that we do. So there are some gaps that need to be addressed and they are not very clearly mentioned there. But also, I think to become a global ch champion, like you also need to empower a lot EU companies, SMEs and startups. And there, I think there is a little bit uh, less clarity on how do we want to empower them, especially when it comes to financing. Because yes, some official sources mentioned that uh, like 800 million are going to be used from uh, like EU funding to, to push for this transition and transformation, modern transition. But at the same time, it's not clear. Like it's not a number that's made in the communication. And this is something that, for example, I would expect maybe a dedicated fund, like, I don't know, like a virtual words uh, fund within the umbrella of existing uh, instruments. I think this would have been something really nice. I would have loved uh, and appreciated that, especially because it's true that there are a lot of champions when it comes to SMEs and startups, especially mm -hmm. in the XR uh, mm -hmm. uh, ecosystem, that needs to be incentivized. And I think they, they, should, they could benefit from uh, more clarity when it comes to financing. I don't know, what do you want to add? So what's missing? Definition of EU now. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Definition, Patrick. Go. Um, no, um, no, obviously, I, I agree with, I think, most of what Gigi said. I th you know, in defense of the commission, and you know, let's be clear, this is a very fluffy document. Um, I think, Alex, if you nice just picture. read Alex's summary, you'll think this is uh, this is one of the greatest achievements of the last 10 years. But really, it's it's not like that. It's, it's full of um, vague language and promises um, that are even vaguer. Things like, the, uh, apparently, a toolbox is a solution to everything from cybersecurity to privacy to safety to children to women's empowerment it's 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 a, it's um it's a, you know it's not quite clear but it wasn't really meant to be clear the, the goal of the communication is not to set out a crystal uh, crystal clear path towards future initiatives it's really to do what we're doing now and to have start a discussion which i think it will it will definitely create and one thing that i did notice um in terms of a change in tone because i've been following you know this topic since i announced it last year in the last nine months, you've been getting a lot of noises that you know the EU might try and create a European metaverse, and that was obviously um, not welcome news to a lot of the world, and also if, also people that believe in the technology itself, because at the end of the day, it's it's likely I think that we will many EU consumers will be using products from from non-EU companies, so it's important to I think engage with international players. Um, and this communication, I think, was quite clear. I think the EU does intend to join and hopefully will actually start leading these international and multi-stakeholder initiatives. Um, things like the World Economic Forum, um, they do great work in this space, and I'd love to see the EU getting more involved. Yeah. And if, if I may also go, uh, for, go for this one, just uh, you know, apart from giving the, the full background of, of the communication, um, I would also, I mean, I have to agree with um, a lot of what um, Patrick and Gigi have both said. Um, I also think that in general, what the communication, um, maybe one of the limitations of the communication is that, again, possibly because it is structured around these digital decade goals, which were formulated a few years ago, there is naturally a kind of little bit more of a, a backward 
look mm -hmm. to a communication that is really supposed to be forward-facing. And you see that sort of iterated in a few different ways. You see it iterated in the sense that a lot of the tools that the commission um, proposes and you know coordination bodies that the commission is mentioning are ones that already exist, as we've already discussed. Um, they also, you know, I think rightly are not proposing a new legislative framework, but they are referring to a lot of different pieces of legislation that should help to address some of the, you know, potential regulatory gaps that the metaverse might um, bring about. And, you know, it's a bit up for debate whether or not they actually will be sufficient to be able to do so. Um, so you've got a little bit more of a backward look there. And then also, I think there's a little bit of a kind of backwards look in the sense that they're really not properly acknowledging, in, in some respects, the true potential of, of Web3, and also what kind of um, new um, possibilities and also risks that um, that space might open up. And, and I'm thinking principally here about the sort of creator economy, which mm -hmm. I think is really not um, really not given a huge amount of, of space in the mm -hmm. communication. Um, and this was something I was reflecting on recently, you know, where they're, where they're talking quite a lot about empowering users to be able to, um, you know, use these technologies and empowering SMEs and startups to be able to build these technologies and working with companies, you know, to ensure that the, whatever metaverse is developed is according to EU values and is, you know, going to protect consumer data and, uh, and have all of these, you know, great attributes. There's very little about, you know, where individual content creators can step in and how they might be able to monetize their assets in a decentralized mm -hmm. space and what kind of new opportunities for decentralized governance we have and, you know, all of that. Um, besides the fact that the connectivity bit is completely absent because that's going to be handled in a different piece of legislation. And, and as Patrick alluded to earlier, that's also going to be, a, you know, a big question of whether or not, you know, how we would actually attain the kind of latency band bandwidth requirements. Uh, I don't know if you heard those sirens, but it's the definition police here. Um, <laughs> uh, web3. Web3. So Web3 and decentralization too. I think these are totally alien concepts <laughs> to most people. <laughs> I don't know if I can tackle these ones as well. Do, do you want to, I, I can try, but... I mean, this is your, yeah, go for it. They're, they're complicated terms. Well, they're, they are defined in the, in the commission staff working document, and then there's tons of definitions for them, you know, around as well. But, okay, let me... I'm going to do decentralization first because it's part of I think what we're trying to achieve with the, this dream of Web3. So currently the, the Web2 internet is essentially um, built around centralized, um, centralized ecosystems which means essentially at the center of every website you have a company um, you know or there is a, a company a startup a person someone who can be held sort of um, or some entity that can be held responsible for the protection of consumers for um, you know uh, that can be ultimately held liable for any harm that could befall um, users etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, in a a decentralized um, ecosystem is one that you know could hypothetically be built on blockchain technologies, which are these distributed ledger, ledger technologies. Please don't ask me to try to define it more than that, Patrick. Um, <laughs> they, of which, in very very simple terms, and I apologize to any of the you know tech geeks who might be listening to this, but um, in very simple terms, will allow for um, the decentralized. Um, uh, storage and transfer of information that is essentially um, um, can be tr tracked and therefore should theoretically be um, enable more trust in, um, you know, sort of data exchange across various ecosystems that are not managed by a sort of single um, uh, recognizable, identifiable entity. Um, and that leads to a lot of really exciting possibilities, as I mentioned, in terms of, you know, how you can, instead of just um, 
you know, being hired by a specific company to develop um, digital assets for a specific company, a developer can essentially take control over their own assets and individual consumers can theoretically take control over their own data and they can, um, you know, find new ways to sort of monetize that across these different ecosystems. Um, without that sort of central reliance. But it also leads to new problems in the sense that, you know, now you no longer have a central entity responsible for consumer protection and that can be held liable if something goes wrong and, and whatever. So I think that we are going to see, you know, more problems coming out as we move towards that sort of decentralized Web3 space that we're going to have to acknowledge. And that's, I think, you know, um, maybe moving forward where we sort of see the next sort of most immediate set of risks and opportunities. But... I probably we probably don't have space to go into that in this podcast. If you want to know more, you can come talk to me at FTI. Exactly. I think it's important to know in this space as well. You know, we often have the narrative of centralization or decentralization, but a lot of the products we already see are sort of hybrid systems of both. And I think that's kind of the more likely future rather than going down one path. That just made it so much more unclear. <laughs> Let's put it, if you think about it this way, you might have like a, a decentralized metaverse, which would be a decentral a collection of decentralized virtual worlds that are all interoperable and communicate with each other. And you can also have at the same time existing centralized metaverse, which would be a collection of you know centralized operators who choose to agree on the same kind of you know standards and protocols, and they have their own collection of virtual worlds. And theoretically, you could have both existing at the same time. I think we've just broken Simon's brain. <laughs> I, it makes sense, but I'll have to suggesting on it a bit, which I encourage the listeners to do so as well. But can, I, uh, can I give you just one example? Because I find it useful yeah, for myself. I have to constantly good. remind myself what decentralization means. Um, so if you think about money, so the, yeah. the value of money is managed through the banks who print it, right? And mm -hmm. so there's a central resource that manages the value of it. Something like diamonds is that there's no central resource managing yeah. the exchange. Everyone just, the value is determined by, by the, the need. Right? The need yeah, yeah. So that said, you can then have a system where well, there is a diamond exchanger who comes in, and although the value is generally determined by the market, there still can be a central resource that man right. manages it. So I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, more. and if you're super confused, I also did a blockchain episode about half a year ago. With Tommaso, no? I believe so, yes. So I shout out Tommaso. to Tommaso. <laughs> Another uh, plug. This is exactly. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we start wrapping up completely, because I've lingered quite a bit on the document, um, I do want to wrap up a bit by saying reflecting on the EU strategy that released and reflecting on the whole trajectory of Web 4.0, virtual worlds, metaverse, it's still not clear to me what I should be calling it, but uh, what do you think the future is? When we come back, if we ever come back in a year's time, what will have changed? Will there be new opportunities? Will there be new legislative things that we should be keeping our eye on? And I'm just going to give you each a few minutes just to, I, I, I suppose, spitball out your ideas. I think both. We're definitely, like, mm -hmm. if we make a revamp of this episode I'm in, uh, like, three, four years' time, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to regulation, when it comes to policy initiatives, when it comes to frameworks, not only EU-wide, but also potentially international-wide and globally-wide. Mm -hmm. And global-wide, at the same time, we're going to talk about, like, way new use cases that maybe were created in the time and they made it they made it way way more consumer friendly, way more useful for consumers in their day to day 
lives. At the same time, I expect, uh, as we were discussing before, like we all mentioned, these industrial and, and enterprise use cases, these are going to boom. Like I expect digital twins of everything. There's going to be a digital twin of this studio, probably, in, in, some, in some virtual world. And we're going to have like similar type of podcasts uh, there as well. Like there, everything is going to be twinned. Uh, uh, learning experience are going to be enhanced by, by these technologies by a lot. Uh, cultural and tourism as well is going to be, I think, impacted a lot. You're going to see a lot of uh, augmented reality uh, type of experience. I imagine like going to Pompeii, for example, which is something I, I'm from Napoli. So yeah. uh, now, shameless plug for my CV. Napoli, <laughs> amazing city. Go there. Don't trust, you know, sometimes the media uh, skepticism about it. If you need to go there, you know who to contact. I have plenty of, uh, of tips. But uh, some people go to Pompeii, Pompeii is amazing. Pompeii is breathtaking because you mm -hmm. go there and you really, you already can see a lot of what happened, unfortunately, years and years ago. But some of these um, parts, like I would imagine, like, you know, not with the VR goggles, because that would be a little bit uh, like too much. But in five to six to 10 years time, we're going to have a hardware that's going to be way lighter, way less impactful, potentially like closer to a sunglass than to, uh, v to what VRs are now. At least that's my hope. It's not easy technologically wise, but that's my hope. And you know, you're just gonna click and then you're gonna see a lot of what actually was there before, like when it comes to paintings, when it comes to recreation, on how things uh, were done. So I think a lot of, a lot of potential in the tourism and the cultural uh, industry as well. And then retail, uh, sports and entertainment, when it comes to concerts, I'm sure, in five years' time, all four of us are, uh, are going to be at least one or two virtual con uh, concerts. One of our favorite, uh, I don't know, rappers or uh, artists. <laughs> at, least, at least we'll get those Taylor Swift tickets, right? There you go. <laughs> yes, no need, to queue, no need to queue and refresh, refresh, refresh for 20 hours. Uh, Patrick. Well, look, if, we, if we do come back here in one year's time, we are going to coordinate our outfits because this has been, <laughs> yes. this is absurd. Yes. In a metaverse, <laughs> we could change it, right? Using yeah, yeah, yeah. our yeah. reality. Um, be pink. No, look, I completely agree with the industrial use cases, and that, I think that's that, that's you know, if you're if you're comp if you're a company looking to manufacture a car. I think companies are quickly working out that it's cheaper to simulate that and improve processes uh, digitally than it is to actually build the, the entire factory. So I think that's kind of a um, an, an obvious use case I think we'll see more of. Um, in terms of the consumer side, yeah, the dream is always to to have a sort of mainstream headset that people are going to use. But uh, what does that actually look like? Like how small does it have to be for people to put it on their heads for, for a long amount of time? I think in the sort of nearest future, we might see people replacing things like desktops, maybe yeah. even like a laptop or something like this, and moving instead towards one of these headsets if it's able to produce the same experience. People in single-person households might not buy TVs. This is the kind of uh, progress that I sort of foresee in the next five years. I'm going to be braver because everybody says 10 years and thinks it's a cop-out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, personally, I'm a bit more skeptical on how willing people are to move towards something you stick on your head. I think it'd be more like your phones will get more powerful and use that as a tool to interact with the world yeah. around you. And that's where I see that would develop. Maybe some specialized apparatus for like some really niche industrial uses and stuff. But Which is skeptical. also an intermediate step. Yeah. It's an intermediate step. And then yeah. when... Uh, Technology is going to be lighter and slimmer and thinner, and then people are not going to have these, uh, let's say, they don't have to worry about having a heavy thing on their head like yeah. for a long uh, amount of time. 
Okay. I think you'll, you'll expect more of the physical environment to be digital. As you say, walk yeah. around with a phone and through a shop, or when you go to order a meal, maybe mm-hmm. you see the whole meal now instead of the menu on the QR code. I mean, you see that more and often now. They, they don't even get menus in some places, just a QR code to scan to your app. Imagine having the meal, yeah. you know, so yeah. you can see actually how it looks like. Because sometimes you I do it. You can taste it. Sometimes, <laughs> it. You can taste. sometimes I do it. I go on the Google, ma- on Google Maps and I try to look at what actually the yeah, dishes yeah. from the menu look like based on photos. But mm-hmm. I mean, I would like it from time to time to know. Yeah. But uh, Alexandra, you you've yes. been trying to chip in for like yes. uh, for a few minutes ago. I know, and I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget half of the things I wanted to say now. But no, I I think because really the question is also whether or not we're actually going to need to develop again the VR and AR headsets yeah. in order to access this metaverse, right? And I think this is sort of related to what you were saying. Yeah, I think we're going to have more and more applications that are also accessible on our phones. Pokemon Go, Go was a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Already, um, and that was this sort of great blending of the physical and the virtual worlds, right? Um, even um, a few years ago, I was in, I think I was in the airport, in the Brussels airport, and there was a, uh, um, a like a hologram display for the great Flemish painters. And it was this like, you know, little cherub that kind of crawled out of a painting and then was flitting around the wall um, and like looking at other paintings, yes. right? I didn't need anything for that. I didn't need to access it through my phone or glasses or anything. There was just this sort of cool hologram that, you know, was jumping around on the wall. Maybe in the future, that will actually be something that we can interact with, or maybe you can interact with it on your phone. And I mean, again, that already exists for children in art galleries where they can have these sort of, you know, put their phone up to a painting and the painting comes to life. So, you know, I think that we'll see, you know, more and more of those um, kind of technologies, which will be really cool and also might, you know, delay somewhat the conversation around, you know, what kind of biometrics are companies actually, you know, data are they actually acquiring um, from you when you use um, virtual reality headsets. And um, uh, that's a whole different conversation for another day, but another really interesting sort of policy field. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, a year from now, putting on again, my sort of public affairs hat, um, or headset, or, or headset <laughs> yes. as the case yes. may be. Do you have one? Can I walk out of here I with a lens upstairs? Perfect, excellent. Uh, can't wait to take that in my goodie bag. Um, but uh, you know, the I think the other part of it is a year from now there are going to be um, new laws that are going to be adopted in the EU um, that are going to be part of this body of legislation that is expected to um, to regulate the metaverse and um, also will be a little bit further into the adoption of other laws that have sort of recently um, entered into force. Um, that are also intended to create a more kind of equitable and competitive business environment, um, you know, ideally globally. So um, I'm not going to name drop them now because I don't want Patrick to force me to have to define <laughs> all of them. Um, but let's just say that it's a it's a substantial um, um, body of legislation, and it'll be really interesting a year from now to see sort of if that that has had any sort of notable change on the actual um, business environment here in the EU. Cool. So one year from now, we're going to try the new. Uh, Apple by uh, VR, which is something mm. that I'm looking forward to try because apparently it's quite. Uh, Can't say that in the Microsoft office. Come on. We'll edit that out. Personal <laughs> point of view, I'm looking forward to try it, and uh, I was uh, yeah. I was quite happy with that. Uh, yeah. is, is it a date then? Are we all coming back in a year, or? <laughs> we should do it and then do it with like headsets instead. I'd love that. We could start the whole thing. It'll be a new kind of twinning. You know, we'll yeah. just all wear our headsets across the board. Just don't like, acknowledge that we're wearing headsets and continue as normal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or it could be because I know YouTube has you can do the 3D videos, right? Did you yes. do like they should do one where you can choose which perspective to watch on the person talking? That'd be pretty cool. Ooh. I think that would be super cool. That would be just like 3D no, TVs. Now I'm just saying expectations. Or we can so we yes, can exactly. Yes. Why don't we go one step further? Why don't we just go for the whole deep fake thing? And I can actually be represented here as anybody I want. Mm. Mm. 
which historical yeah. figure would you choose? That's a good way to end up the episode. Yeah. I always end it on a more personal question. Which historical deep <laughs> person, uh, which historical figure would you like to be deep faked as? Is this you turning the question now back around yeah, on me instead of answering it? I'm I'm it's better than the original question I had. So. I mean, I think it would be pretty cool. Well, I don't know if I should pick a, a, a powerful. I think it would be very cool to either be represented as Leonardo da Vinci because mm. he's one of my favorite historical figures um, or can I just pick like you know some badass chick like Amelia Earhart or yeah. you know I uh, Marie Curie I'd like to I think you know both met tragic ends though so, yeah uh, we'll yeah know. well mm. hopefully that won't say yeah, anything about exactly. yeah, <laughs> about what the future has in store uh, I mean, for myself, the one thing I would have, I'm quite a tall person, so Absolutely. I'd have to have a tall historical figure. Not necessarily. You could, could see the world from a whole different perspective. <laughs> from a lower perspective? Yeah. Yeah. That's, Go that's as Bilbo. Mm, historical, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, that preceded us. Uh, I'll give it a thought. Some, uh, yeah. Not entirely sure. Patrick, I'm going to throw it to you. God, I was hoping you were going to go to Gigi. No, um, no, no, no. So the question is, who would we want to come back as for the next podcast? Yeah, yeah. You deep faked as. Or actually, okay, I see. Um, I'm going to pick... Um, do, 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 do. I'm going to go with Vincent van Gogh. I mean, you'd barely be deep faked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'll take that as we'll a take that's really just an yeah, AR filter. I'm going to make it easy for you guys. So make it most realistic. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that because we are in a Microsoft office. Right. Yeah. But then maybe it's Steve Jobs. Oh, oh, okay. This guy <laughs> with the turtleneck, I would love that. I would love that and talk about you know the future of because I would have loved to hear his thoughts in all fairness, on the metaverse and uh, you know. People would probably like think you would be a much more authoritative figure, actually, compared to you know Leonardo da Vinci. So, <laughs> on the metaverse, <laughs> I'd go with some really flamboyant philosopher like Jean-Jacques Rousseau or something. Just oh, to okay, flip the table by the end, you know. Yes, that's good. Yeah, add some perspective. Let's do it. Deal. Deal. Let's, let's see. Deal let's is like a work of a tech guy. You're really overestimating well, my that's Okay, for all developers so out there, yeah, <laughs> all developers might be listening to this podcast, help yes. us make this a reality. Deepfake us. Uh, okay. Well, I think this is a good way to wrap it all together. I think it's been a, a very intriguing conversation on not only metaverse, but also virtual worlds, on Web 4.0, on the EV, the... XR? XR, yes. I'm confusing terms, but for if you want more information on the subject, all of my co-panelists here have interesting things they're putting out on a pretty frequent basis. If you have anything you want to plug towards the end, feel free to go for it. I mean, definitely check out uh, Metaverse EU, uh, which is becoming uh, one of the main uh, policy hubs for news related to to Metaverse. Yeah. Of course, you can always reach out to me personally on LinkedIn. I'm uh, quite active there. Uh, you find Gianluigi Bona brackets GG to help with the, <laughs> with the GG and to avoid mistakes on spelling of my name, which Apologies. is something I don't like. And also, <laughs> you can always reach out to the team at Acumen Public Affairs, which uh, consists also of also some other like policy professionals mm -hmm. that are going to help uh, with the regulatory uh, aspects of uh, these emerging technologies. 
Yeah, I'll drop your links in the description below. But yeah, that would yeah. be that would be really helpful because I'm really yeah. Come talk to me on LinkedIn or um, any of my incredible colleagues at FTI Consulting. Um, we are you know a global advisory firm and we have um, different experts you know working on not just sort of the public policy side of things, but also experts who are working actively with companies now, advising them on the implementation of these technologies um, and also on the sort of um, legal compliance um, aspects of these technologies. So we really have quite a, a sort of diverse group of experts. So really do feel free to, to come and chat with us and happy to answer any questions that anyone might have. Patrick? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. I, I plugged at the beginning. Um, I would just say I'm also ramping up my Twitter things, so please come and join along, Patrick. Lead to the train, but <laughs> I, I <laughs> what about threads? Not threads. Well, there's ways. Um, and then, yes, of course, I think Fordhold is the, the, the leading consultancy in Brussels on this topic, so I'd encourage everyone to reach out. <laughs> <laughs> Mic <I'll> drop. <laughs> And if you want to listen to more of these podcast episodes, there should be a new one releasing next week on Golden Passports, which is also cool. And we'll see if that ever becomes a metaverse issue. But yeah. Well, Very nice. For that then, I think we'll end it here. And thank you, the listener, for listening. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share. You can watch it. I should have said this at the beginning, but you can watch it on YouTube as well as listen to it. So if you only listen to it and want to see our faces, head over. But yeah. Cool. Th thank thanks you for very much. Hosting. Th thanks for hosting us. It was uh, great fun. And uh, as we said before, looked a bit like a conversation among friends. So that's something <laughs> I, was looking I at the really time. enjoyed. I feel like we could have gone for ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, yeah. I think there's so much that we could still talk about. <laughs> we'll come back and we'll do it in a year. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll do that.